0: to another episode of clobbering time my name is tom bryan i am a writer and editor for stereogum.com and various other assorted freelance outlets and uh here with me is my co-host damian abraham how you doing buddy i'm doing uh, pretty
1: good pretty good it's been a eventful couple weeks since we last
0: spoke it's been a uh, long ass time since <laughs> we last spoke We've been, it's like we say this every goddamn time but uh but we'll, you know, we'll figure this shit out. We'll get better at it. Yeah. It was like a whole different world the last time. It was before the election. It was it a time was. Of, of naive optimism. <laughs> so much
1: hope when so we were hanging out. At that at You know? So much hope, yep. you and me. Yep. Oh, man. What but happened?
0: Uh, we came together well,
1: and it broke the timeline.
0: Yeah, something happened. But, um... But... Who, who gives a shit about that shit when there is wrestling to discuss? You mm-hmm. have just had a really, well, first we should say, uh, another thing that happened since last we spoke is Damien's documentary is out there in the world. Uh, bloodlust is called. Yes, it is. All right. Bloodlust and, tournament and of death. Yes. And if anybody is listening to, I, I doubt anybody is listening to this podcast who hasn't already watched it. Plus you've plugged it a ton of times on your other podcast. Yes. Um, but like, you know, as a wrestling fan and as like somebody who's fascinated with, well, not really, I don't have a huge ton of admiration for the deathmatch wrestling, but like I'll definitely like watch it just every once in a while to be like, what is happening? Mm-hmm. Um, it was, it was a really fascinating look at that. And it's, you know, like as like I'm, you know, biased, whatever, like I think your band is fucking great too. Uh, and I thought that before we were friends. This I saw after we were friends, and it was awesome. It was Thank just you. Great. Like, I loved watching it.
1: Um, I appreciate that. Well, like, you know, obviously, that's high praise because you're someone who watches uh, a lot of stuff in general. But, like, certainly, you know, have watched your fair share of wrestling things over the years. So the fact that it rates is, is
0: pretty good. Was, you know, one thing about it was it was really cool seeing that Deathmatch shit in, like, cinematic HD mm-hmm. instead of whatever like murked out like shitty cameras they use for CZW things. So when I'm watching my like, you know, like YouTube stream of it years after the fact or whatever, like it, that just looks like, like it looks like a snuff film. Like this looks like here's an incredible thing that's actually happening in real life.
1: Well, I like, you know, and, and that's, you know, I'm not saying that I can take any credit for that. Cause obviously we had a ridiculously good uh, shooters with us. Like this guy, Chris and this guy, John and both those guys and, and Johnny, the director, like those, those guys, like, I don't know, but I, I, I watched that and I'm like, this is how wrestling, this could be a new way to shoot it. You know, obviously yeah. it's expensive. Um, I don't even think think it maybe it wouldn't be that expensive. You just need two people and then a drone crew.
0: Yeah. I think the drone crew is probably where it gets expensive, but, uh, yeah. Well, we had the drone drone
1: crew hooked
0: it up in like a bingo hall or whatever. No, that's true. I
1: don't know. I think outdoor though, I think if anything we've learned this year, um, not so much from this, but from final deletion is that outdoor wrestling is fucking cool. And then this, I think also back that up, but outdoor wrestling just looks so neat. Yeah, it does. It really does. It's, it's weird how it's not done more. Like it just, well, I mean, if it rains, you know, yeah, like what do true. you do? Very true. Um, I guess, like, that's you know, I, I, I kind of wonder they must have had it, must have rained in the last 15
0: years during a CZW TOD. Yeah, it like the, it's got to make it harder because the blood just washes away. You don't get the same visual.
1: Oh, I can imagine it would be even more gross. <laughs> You know, like, uh, but I don't know. I think going and doing this doc gave me, you know, I, I like deathmatch wrestling before, you know, enough, I guess. Like, I was a fan of uh, Terry Funk versus Cactus Jack. Of course. The, you know, and I was a fan of, like, you know, like all those big kind of matches and as well as, like, you know, some American deathmatch stuff. Samoa Joe versus Necro Butcher one is one of my favorite matches of all time and stuff. So that's not necessarily death deathmatch, but pretty close. Um, So, uh, you know, like going to this, I had like preconceptions and what I thought I was going to be like, but I I don't know. I I came back kind of more of a fan. I mean, more of a fan.
0: well, that's anything where you see it up front and you're (laughs) like, you're, you see what these guys put themselves through. Like, yeah, that makes sense.
1: And I think knowing the guys now and like kind of knowing that they're like how seriously they take it and like how different they are as people. Mm hmm. You know, like, from what I kind of thought they'd all be like. Some some were, you know, kind of what I thought they'd be like. Um, but even then, like, you know, I, I guess, you know, like, you know, I forget that I'm just a wrestling fan at the end of the day. So sometimes I just buy into the characters maybe a little too much. Right. So even the people that I like, you know, were scary in real life, you know, were like a little more uh, complex than <laughs> their wrestling character would indicate.
0: Yeah. But anyway, we should uh, we should move on because mm-hmm. you just had a really really big uh, wrestling weekend. Uh, you want to you want to get into that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think it was one of the big four in Toronto, and this is the first time we've had one of the big four. And when I say big four, I mean the big four WWE wrestling events. And these are uh, WrestleMania being number one, uh, Survivor Series, Royal Rumble, and I guess SummerSlam would be, yep, be the four. Those are the four. Um, and those are the ones that WWE has also now said that they're going to run, you know, this was only three shows, but they're going to run four shows from now on in these cities. And on the four consecutive nights, they're going to start with, uh, NXT on a Saturday, um, do a takeover. And then on the Sunday, they'll do one of the big, you know, pay-per-views. And then on the Monday, obviously Ron, then SmackDown. And so, uh, this was Toronto's, first uh i think since
0: wrestlemania 17 that we've had a pay-per-view period is 18 i, I 18? hate to get 17 is one of my all-time favorites so i, I oh get, 18 sorry I very of is it 17. Eight?
1: then it's maybe it's not 18 then is it 18 for sure i'm pretty sure it's 18 okay i'm not that i'm doubting you on this but uh I'm now thinking it may be another number totally, but I think you're probably right. You are
0: 100% right. Hogan versus Rock is the suggested search. Not to doubt you, Tom. I shouldn't have doubted you, buddy. It's, you know, I I, I can't remember, like, my mom's birthday, but things like that. <laughs> yeah, that, you, that sticks out. uh But, yeah, anyway,
1: I apologize. WrestleMania 18. Um I think that was the last one. Big, like, I mean, big pay-per-view that was in Toronto. We've had obviously Raw and stuff since, but so, you know, it was, it was, you know, a pretty packed weekend. Um, and then also there's all these, you know, kind of like tag-along events that also come with it now. Like, so there was a Jim Ross live podcast in Toronto, a Chris Jericho live podcast in tomorrow in Toronto. And then there was, I don't know if there was any indie shows. There must have been something, but you know, all this, all this stuff was kind of going on and, uh, was remarkably well attended from what I hear. And I got to go to the first NXT, uh, that I've ever been to live, And it was the first NXT that's been to Toronto.
0: So let's get into that because like every NXT takeover, NXT takeovers are are basically the best thing in wrestling. Mm -hmm. Like every NXT takeover that's come before a big WWE pay-per-view has been better than that big WWE Mm pay-per-view. Like, I have so much fun watching those things I look forward to them so much and this one was like I don't think it was the best one ever but it was very very good and it had like at least one just absolute like no shit like you can talk about this years from now classic match on it yeah. with the uh, the two out of three falls tag team championship match and, and so you got to be there for it. So what was it like in the building? Uh, it was great. It was like, it was pretty close to sold out. I don't think it was
1: full, full, but it was definitely full, like in all the sections that counted. Um, and it, it you know, like, I, I don't know. It's like, I've been to Raw before and I, I was in, and I was in, at a Raw, luckily on the ascension of Daniel Bryan, where he kind of like, where he was just so, you know, like not just, use the term, but over with the audience. Like people just loved them. Um, and you know, that was like a pretty fun environment, but nothing compares to an Mm -hmm. NXT crowd as far as like on, on the scale of that many people being that into it. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, the, you know, like right from right from the, you know, like, you know, we got Ty Dillinger versus Bobby Roode in the opening match. And, you couldn't have done anything better for Toronto with that, you know?
0: Yeah, they built that whole thing up so well, and they were so smart to, like, have Bobby Roode wrestle somebody who is also crazy popular and yep. who is also from Ontario. Yeah. To, like, make it so the crowd would not just shit on whoever Bobby Roode was wrestling and he could still be a bad guy.
1: Yeah. But, like, and I think it was, like, the glorious, uh, obviously, the
0: entrance was glorious. Beautiful. Like. was <laughs> It was it was just wonderful. Like oh. this is so cool. Like I think like there was all these big entrances on that show. That was easily the best one in my eyes. Like the the fake violinists did not the Shinsuke Nakamura had did not compare.
1: No, I know it, it didn't compare. But I think the the thing that like I think was so awesome about the Nakamura entrance was just obviously just how excited the crowd was. Yeah, for it like that. You know, it was it, I got chills when that when he came out. You know, and I just, you know, I've seen him before. You know, I've seen him like, God, like, you know, in a bunch of different promotions over the years. And and but to get to see him here on this stage with that many people, you know, and my 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 son, who was his first wrestling event, like getting to like, give, you know, he's wearing his Nakamura necklace and we're you know, it was just like surreal. Um, were but, you
0: ever on camera at that show? I thought no. I might have. Okay.
1: I, well, I, I don't know I, I shouldn't say that, but I, I, we were on like, we were on the, the, uh, the, uh, friends and family section. Okay. Like, so the comp section, uh, which was great. Cause like,
0: were you in there with like indie wrestlers?
1: Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, definitely. And especially with uh, Ty Dillinger wrestling, like a lot of smash people and a okay. lot of, uh, a lot of, well, I, I guess with like everyone wrestling, there was a lot of smash people there, but, uh, but it was, um, uh, and what's his name? Uh, uh, Johnny wrestling, but what's his, um, Gargano. yeah, Gargano. Sorry. Got his wife up. was there.
0: Was she, uh, Candice LeRae?
1: Uh, I don't know. She must've been, if she, you know, like I, I wasn't sitting right. In their section, but like when he came out, like you could, they all stood up, they all had their smash shirts on and, uh, awesome. it was, yeah, it was definitely, uh, I don't, know, it was cool to be in that section, but no, I, so suffice to say, I don't think they put us on camera because of where we were, but I was also sitting beside or it's not beside, but really close to John Pollock and Wei Ting and Sean Agnew from uh,
0: Body from Wrestling. Must have just been starstruck.
1: I was, well, I, at the end of the night. Uh, when my, with my son, when I introduced him to Sean Agnew, it was like, you know, or no, sorry, Jason Agnew. Sean Agnew's the promoter in Philadelphia. Okay. It, was, it was also super cool too. But, uh, Jason, when I interviewed, introduced him to Jason, he was, he was legit starstruck because that's the guy from Splat-A-Lot. I don't know what that is. Your kids don't watch Splat-A-Lot? No. Oh, you got to expose them. I don't, I thought, I, I think it's on, it was a Nickelodeon thing too. I believe it was on in America, but if you get a chance, it's definitely on YouTube, but it's like,
0: uh, wait, there's a wrestling podcast guy who's on like a double dare type show. Is yeah.
1: Yeah. It was like a wipeout. It was like wipeout, but for kids. And it's like all Is these, he the host. Yeah. He was one of the hosts. There are two hosts. And He's the
0: wrestling podcaster.
1: Yeah. Wow. You think a a wrestling podcast is enough to pay all the bills you got to get, you got to have a second hustle. (laughs) You know that (laughs) I've not paid any bills
0: with this, with this particular. No,
1: no. (laughs) I'm up to episode, uh, like, I don't know, 200 some odd in turned out a punk and that
0: thing's only cost me money. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so, so great crowd, great atmosphere. Like, the the match, you know, John Marcano and uh, and Tommaso Ciampa versus the uh, the revival was just a like an absolute thing of beauty. Like, was everybody around you just freaking out for all of that?
1: Yeah, like it it got to the point where you know I think people. Were, <laughs> it was funny because the guy in front of us there was a very enthusiastic fan right in front of us, and his friend got up to leave. For a cigarette just before the first pinfall. Aww. And he's like, dude, you're going to miss a crazy match. And then by the end, he's like, you can't. Oh, dude, you missed. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, it was, it was, yeah. Like, awesome. I think it was just one of those things where people, by the end of it, people were like, wow, that was incredible. That's, that's, that's unbelievable. And you're like, you left and you knew that was the match. And I think that's the one. My one complaint with NXT TakeOver is that there's no,
0: there's no let up, you know, it's like, that's not a complaint, man. There's too much let up on those other shows.
1: I don't know, but it's just hit after hit after hit. So like, it's just like, there's like the, the, everything was so good, but after that match, it's like, everything felt like, yeah, it's not going to (laughs) be, you're not going to top it. You yeah, know? but
0: you know, like or, or, I had a pretty good idea before the show that that was just going to be the the match of the weekend, like uh, like the what they they did at the last NXT takeover was so fucking yeah. beautiful, and yeah. like and they don't play with their two out of three falls matches in NXT. They they know what they're doing when they put those things together. Like they have not had a less than spectacular one ever, as far as I can remember.
1: Yeah, no, it it it, it definitely like flows way faster than any other wrestling show i've ever been to and it it feels like uh it's it feels like an event like you could bring a non-fan there and it it felt like this atmosphere obviously completely different product um and you know the but i think it felt kind of like going to like arena mexico Mm -hmm. you know and just like the the energy in there is just like everyone's singing along everyone's kind of excited by it You Um, the arena mexico thing yeah, like that's the thing. It's like when I was there, I was like, oh, this is a this is a crazy atmosphere for a wrestling show. This feels really cool. And uh this you know, this NXT thing, it was like everyone just believes so much in that product, you know, and and especially at those events. Like they everyone just wants to be excited the whole time. And like watching watching the people because I was a little bit like not too far back, but I was a little bit up from the floor, so I could see the people that were in the floor, mm-hmm. and it was just—it uh, it felt like a concert. Like it felt like a, I don't know, like a Dan Deacon concert or something.
0: Dan Deacon, huh?
1: Well, those were all these happy concerts. I felt
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> a lot of moping things. Like you they know, all those, start like they all start off a conga line at any point. Pretty
1: or? much. It felt like that could break out at any time. It was like. If a wrestler came out who's who conga lining was their their thing, uh, the fans would have that was
0: kind him. of Adam Rose's thing,
1: that's true, right? that's true. And I think it, it would have caught on eventually and it would have led to uh some incredible uh WWE mass conga
0: line experience. Yeah, it's too bad actually. that never
1: happened. No, they really dropped the ball with the
0: Adam Rose thing anyway. Um, so amazing. What did
1: was it Holden that you took? I took Holden. Yeah. I took my, my eldest who It's, I've been, I've been kind of like exposing him to wrestling uh, pretty slowly, you know, like it's not like we watched every uh-huh. week yet at this point, but he's definitely a big fan. And, you know, because I've been exposing it to him slowly, I've been showing him just kind of like, you know, just random matches and stuff like that. And so he's been, he's a big fan of like Nakamura and Samoa Joe from other stuff he's seen, not that he's seen Smojo versus Necrobutcher, but, uh, you know, other Joe and matches. And that
0: really turns like eight.
1: Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, his, that's his eighth birthday party. Um, we have a bunch of kids over and shows. <laughs> and then show so I'm sure. What did him. he think of it? He loved it. I think he really loved it. He's like, he no-sells it, like how excited he is about stuff. But I've noticed since he's been like, you know, he'll always, him and his brother will always challenge me to wrestling matches for their WWE title that they have. And, uh, he's always like, now can it be a two out of three falls dad? And then he'll do like the Nakamura, fet- oh. <laughs> which is actually a brutal move to have to take. Yeah, With yeah. the foot in the face in the corner thing, like where he face washes oh, you with his foot. Great. he can start doing that to my face. Now I'm like, ah, he yeah, can introduce some new, some new uh, moves into the uh, arsenal.
0: Yeah. I've wrestled my kids all the time, but I don't let them watch it yet. I know they're going to just start just beating the shit out of me once I let them. Oh
1: my God. Well, yeah. Holden's like, now he's all about hurricane Rana's and his younger brother, Dorian, of course, I've not shown it to yet, but he's now all about hurricane Ranas, which is what he kind of calls him.
0: Hurricane Rana. He just but, with his legs. And then you,
1: yeah. And then I, 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 I do most of the work. Okay. You know. can I'm you, a good, can do a front flip? pardon me. Can you do a front flip? No, I kind of, like, do, like, a, a shoulder roll on the bed.
0: Okay.
1: Okay. Um, I, it's, it, it, it doesn't look great, but it's passable. <laughs> it's passable.
0: <laughs> you, you wouldn't get, like, real high star ratings for that one? No, <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I'm not going to look. I'm
1: not going to send my tapes out to Meltzer yet, but, you know, <laughs> working.
0: Um, so... It, so that happened. The takeover was awesome. Survivor Series was, it had some moments. I would say it was less awesome. What did you think of Survivor Series?
1: I thought, like, you know, and this is not just because I'm Canadian, but I thought, like, in Canada, where, you know, people love Canadian things so much, to have Jericho and Owens leave when they did
0: kind of deflated things. I, I, it's like, like Stupid way. Like it was a kind of a funny bit, but it was also stupid.
1: Yeah, like it was it it felt like I think the bit was cool. Um I just thought it could have happened later. Um and you know, or they could have been around longer, certainly, because it just never felt like the audience ever came back from that in the same way. Mm-hmm. Uh but that I don't have the same complaint as a lot of people do about the Brock Goldberg match because I think he would have broken Goldberg. It's like, if the reports are yeah. true that he was being injured after just that one spear on raw. Yeah. It's like, wow, they, they, they handled that thing the best the way they could.
0: Yeah. It's a little like, I don't love the idea of you build Brock up as this unstoppable juggernaut and then you just feed him to Goldberg that quickly. But they did a kind of a cool, like I, cause it, I didn't watch it live. So I didn't, mm-hmm. I, I, tried to avoid spoilers, but still kind of read about it before seeing it. And then actually seeing it for one thing, like the crowd reaction was just awesome. Like that was really cool to see. And just the sort of the intensity in the room was cool, mm-hmm. but also like they did a nice job making it seem like a fluke. Like Lesnar got arrogant and kind of turned his back when he was getting up that one time. And that like, gave Goldberg the opening he needed, so it like it did, like it wasn't a full wrestling match because Brock fucked up pretty much mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. uh and and so like that like if there was a rematch and Lesnar just beat the shit out of him, then that would also be totally believable like it doesn't hurt Lesnar that much
1: no and like I think if anything it it is you know it's better than a ten minute match would have been. You know, it's like,
0: and as I you say, it open I, I feel like 10 minutes is like a great length for like a competitive Goldberg match. Like, a, I don't a, know, a, but like, you know, his like DDP match was like 10 minutes, you know?
1: Yeah, I know. But that's like, that's like a very, I don't know. Like, would you want to see like 10 minutes with a suplex city in there with like a, a guy who's like, you know, not. Really
0: looking like he can take a suplex city. Oh, you just got back from a death match tournament. Yes. I want to see that. <laughs> yeah, but I, think, I want to see Goldberg get dumped on his head 15 times. Like, absolutely. I do. If those guys were older, I don't think Goldberg's I'd want to see it into his eyeball, but like, yeah, I want to see some violence. Like, absolutely. I don't what know. I'm in this for.
1: I, don't know. I, I don't want to see, uh, I don't want to see Goldberg die. That's my, I that's my thing. Die,
0: but I want to see him get beat up. Like, that's fine.
1: He would get, he would get, like, I don't know. We'll see. Cause this is way, where it's going to build to, I guess, is probably something a little bit longer.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but I think he'd be, I think it's going to be, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. The fact that he was talking about ring rust and how it's real and how tired he felt. Uh, I just think, no, the 10 minute match is not going to be as pretty as this
0: 90 second match was.
1: Perhaps. But
0: yeah, I did like that. Like, I liked it. It was a fun spectacle for sure.
1: Yeah. No, that's the thing. It was, and it was also, it was unexpected and it was exciting. Like, you know, that's why you're a fan, I think. Um, but, you know, that's, uh, it, but it was, as you say, it was not quite what NXT was as far as, you know, feel.
0: Yeah. And I don't know. It's like WWE can't do that. Some, I don't, like, maybe they're capable and not willing themselves to, or not, like, smart enough about how they build stuff up, but, like, you know, I don't think anybody cared who won any of those matches. Like, there was, like, fun, cool moments in there, like, I really liked the James Ellsworth Braun Strowman thing. Yeah. And, uh, and, like, the little mini shield reunion was awesome. It was almost, it was, it was sort of Royal Rumble-ish in terms of just, like, string together some, like, fun little moments but not having them necessarily mean anything? Yeah,
1: well, that's kind of what Survivor Series has to be at this point, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you have to have that Survivor Series match, and I guess now it's always going to be, well, for till the brand split ends, it's going to be Raw versus SmackDown. And, you know, I guess maybe next year they'll add stakes, but I think for the most part they're just going to treat it like like it's just like a, a it's almost like all the big 4 events maybe with the exception of SummerSlam feel like they're in separate universes like WrestleMania doesn't feel like it's even part of the same universe except for
0: like a couple key matches. Yeah, that's true. And they did they made it seem like a big show which yep. they have not done with recent Survivor Series. <laughs> What's mm-hmm. the plural of Survivor Series? Cuz the plural of series is series but like, yeah, something like that.
1: Survivor Series um but I know you're right. Like it, it, it like it felt like I and you know, once again, not to not to talk about my hometown too much, but I think
0: it okay, you know, put on.
1: Yeah, like you put a show in Toronto, people are gonna go nuts. And especially if you have Chris Jericho and Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn and any Canadian wrestler, Bret Hart, you bring Bret Hart out for that if you can if he's in a good enough mood. <laughs>
0: Did uh, were people excited about well, I guess you weren't there for the Survivor series, but it seemed like Natty got a bigger cheer than was necessarily. Oh wanted. yeah.
1: Well any Canadian person, you know, like that's the that's the thing about this country. Like we love, you know, the insecurity Yourselves? Yeah, looks <laughs> you know, we have the insecurity and the inferiority complex, and so because of that, you know, Canadians get cheered on super hard. And so yeah, like Natty, like you know, Edge. Like Edge is like a you know, like when Edge comes out for those things, people go nuts. Nuts is cause he's like practically he's like from forty five minutes from Toronto.
0: Yeah. I I had read this rumor that uh the Mickey James um uh Asuka match yeah. at NXT Takeover was originally supposed to be Trish Stratus instead of Mickey James, but she got pregnant or something. Oh so wow. Did. But like that that would have been something.
1: People would have gone nuts. It's almost like that, you know. Mickey James feels like that's like an NXT size special attraction. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like if Trish Stratus came back, would they just relegate that to NXT, or would they just bring Asuka up and do that on the main brand? Like I, it just seems like she's like a big enough star.
0: But NXT is a big deal now. Like it, w- it would make yeah. sense. Although fucking Mickey James was awesome. Like, it was great. Oh, she was amazing. Like, she, she was a total badass.
1: That's what I'm saying. Like, that match is like, that match on any other show would be the standout match of the night, you know? Mm-hmm. But on this show, it's just like one of a bunch of amazing matches with one match that's going to be the standout match for the whole weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I don't... That's, I, I, not,
0: that's, not, that's like a, I've got too much Halloween candy, how am I going to eat it all type of thing. Yeah, you're right. It's like a problem to me. I'm not used to that in WWE. You know, that was the thing <laughs> they, I'm used to they, like... They, they, they string you along.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm used to like a big gap in between matches that I want to see. So, you know, like...
0: I want to say, say a few quick words about something non-WWE before yes. we... Move on to our our guest this yes. week. who is also a non WWE. A uh, special attraction, shall we? Yeah, our special well. attraction guest. Um, we, uh, are, I know you're not watching Lucha Underground, but Lucha Underground's been fucking awesome. Like, it's it's always awesome. Like I love it. It's my favorite TV show. Like I, like of TV shows, not of wrestling TV shows. But, uh, it, this episode that it had this past weekend was Aztec Warfare, which is what it, it, it's the Lucha Underground version of the Royal Rumble, where they have like 20 wrestlers (laughs) instead of 30, and it's not over the top rope, it's pinfall or submission. And it was just great. Like, they know how to put that thing together so well, like, they don't have like too many any crazy surprise entrances, but they have these like huge moments. Like every storyline of the whole season gets like touched on and brought up. They're just like crazy sequences, like people doing ridiculous things. Uh, the the brawling was just nuts. The, 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 like people jumping on each other from extreme heights was amazing. And, uh, and now, you know, spoiler alert here, but uh, Lucha Underground is now, I believe the first American television, televised promotion that's had a woman as its heavyweight champion. Mm. So shout out to a sexy star who is like not the best wrestler necessarily, but like a really awesome character and like a great storyteller. And it was a really, really cool moment when she won it. Like there's so many cool moments in that show. Like it's like, if you are not a a fan of Lucia underground, if you haven't been watching, like if you've never seen an episode, you're going to be pretty lost watching Aztec Warfare, but I would still really, really recommend going out of your way to see it. Like, you'll you'll just kind of eventually stop trying to figure out who's who and give into it, and it's it's just like a wrestling masterpiece. Like, I would I don't know if uh, Team DIY versus the Arrival, or the Revival, was like necessarily the best wrestling match of the last week.
1: Really? Well, that's, that's some strong words. I gotta, I watched the first season of it and I really, I liked it. Um, but it's just kind of, I don't know, like I, I don't, I don't download like I should, I guess, illegally. I mean, and we don't have it on in Canada. Like it's on right now, but I think they're still just showing the first season again. Um, and so it's not up to date, you know, so. So I just haven't kept up with it, but I got to go through it eventually and just kind of like, I wish it was on Netflix, you know, like that's something that I think.
0: It would be great if it was on Netflix or on fucking Hulu or something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do the, I do the stuff you're not supposed to do to watch it, but, and, uh, you know, if I could, if I could give them my ratings points or whatever I would, but like, you just got to see it, man. It's just, it's so good. Yeah,
1: I got to see it. I got to uh I I just got to like I guess bite bite the bullet and watch. Take that ROH that TV
0: time and and put it put it to uh put it to Lucia Underground. I Although know. I shouldn't say that with God. Yeah, exactly.
1: I was going to say like there's a ROH is is one of those shows that I find uh you know, it's it's, it's definitely the uh my my favorite uh hour of personal TV I get a week. When I stay up late and watch it by myself in my house on PVR because that's really the only time I can. And then I'll watch again now with Holden. I'll watch – like there's certain matches, I'll watch again with them. Like i watched watch the uh, – they had an incredible uh, six-way – or sorry, th- uh, like a, I guess they've got like a, a title coming in. They've got like a
0: – Are they uh, doing like a
1: Trio's title? I guess they're doing like a Trio's title type thing. They've got a CML – they've got a tournament going on, like a Trio's tournament going right now and they have a cmll team I like yeah that it was experience. great it, yeah no it was a it was a you know it's a i find that show like i don't know if you watch it but it, that feels to me like an old school when i say old school i mean i mean like a, an old wrestling type show that you would watch like a syndicated wrestling show
0: which well, is exactly what it is uh, should we is there anything else we want to talk about or should we jump to the guest?
1: Uh, well, I guess I, I had that other whole point to talk about. We can save that for another episode because... Oh, uh, you want to talk about Jericho? Well, I want to talk about Jericho, but I think we can save that for another time because... Yeah. Well, I don't know. Let's get into it. We want to get into now or... Yeah, let's do it. Okay, cool. Yeah. Like, I think, uh, you know, like Chris Jericho, judging by what happened this weekend, is I would say probably the, the, the top... Most beloved, well, certainly in Canada, but like one of the most beloved people in the company at this point, like wrestlers in the company. And I think he's having, you know, uh, the run of his life as far as, you know, maybe not, you know, he's not what he once was, maybe as far as agility in the ring, but he's still like at the the highest point he's ever been as far as, you know, understanding wrestling and able mm-hmm. to convey that through unbelievable matches and unbelievable. Anytime he's on the microphone, it's, it's been incredible and he keeps coming back. And, and I think there's always doubt in the beginning. Is he going to be able to do something cool? And people, you know, hated the light up jacket at first and hated all this stuff. And it's like,
0: he a few runs in the last like few years that were not great, but I agree with you. Like this, this thing that he's doing right now, it's like, it's, it's badass. like, it's really amazing. Mm -hmm. It's like, um, like, like I just, I, I wrote today a column about E 40 and like E 40 has been making rap music since 1990 and he's still really, really good at it. And it just boggles the mind. Like there's, and he's stayed good at it. And like, you know, Jericho has been away here and there for like a few years at a time, even, but he's, he is on that list too. He like, the fact that he's still as good as he is, it's, it's like in defiance of nature.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing is he's, you're right. He's just like able to kind of like maintain a, don't like, like, he's like, he doesn't feel old. Like you're watching him and he, he doesn't yeah. feel like an old character. He feels just as fresh as, you know, uh, Kevin Owens or, or, or Rollins or anyone in the company.
0: Although I think it's, it's, it's interesting too. Like he, you're right. You're totally right that he doesn't feel old, but he's also like his sort of wealth of experience. I think he's drawing on it in really interesting ways. Like if you look at the character he's playing now, it's like a hybrid of like, like, you know, when he first came back and first cut his hair and he was like the, you know, best in the world at what I do, Chris Jericho. It's like that first meets the like, the like wacky, like vainglorious like WCW Chris Jericho, mm-hmm. like armbar Chris Jericho. Like they're it's it's like a combination of those two characters in a way that does that feels completely fresh and doesn't feel like a throwback. It's kinda like when like uh like you know Clint Eastwood could be in Unforgiven and draw on the man with no name without playing the man with no name.
1: Yeah, like that's the thing is he he's like he's at a point now where he understands this wrestling business better than anyone. Like it, and it's it's clear because there's other guys that have been around as long, maybe not as long as him, but have been around like, you know, like Kane or The Big Show or like there's definitely people like that that are still there, you know, and others, but he he's able to to, you know, still be fresh mm-hmm. in what he does. Um and, yeah, I think, I don't know, I think this has uh, been a really amazing time to kind of watch him, watch him run.
0: Yeah, it's, he He needs to go, like, the second he decides to retire, he needs to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. He yeah, can be the guy, well, didn't they put Edge in right away, too? They did,
1: yeah. Okay, I was going to say, like. I don't
0: he doesn't retire anytime soon. It seems like he can keep doing this for at least a while.
1: Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, you know, he, <laughs> I interviewed him today, like uh full disclosure for, for vice, um, for like a, a thing. And he looked like on, un- like for a guy who'd just been through like that, that the main event on raw, you know, he looked amazing. <laughs> like he would, so like, you know, he had a spring in his step, I would say. And so that's that DDP yoga, I guess.
0: Is he doing that?
1: Yeah, like, that's a sponsor of his podcast, so I it, it's got to work, right? Like, podcast. You know, of, of his podcast. Yeah,
0: you no, know, I've thought about doing that. Have you thought about doing that? I've thought
1: about doing it. Yeah, like, uh, this guy at work, uh, advised this guy Rafi, said that he did it with DDP at WrestleMania. Wow. Yeah, like, you do, like, a session with DDP as your, like, as your yoga
0: instructor. That must have cost some money.
1: I think, it like, yeah, like, I think it costs, but it was like, uh, you know, it was a Q&A. I don't think it was that expensive. Well, I don't know. I, I didn't go to it, but, hey, you know, it's like, if you're going to go to WrestleMania, you're going to spend some money. Go hard or go home. Exactly. Like, why would you go there? You're not going to go there and try and save money. Yeah. You know, and if it's, if it's going I to would see... Go there and- Oh, God, I would go there and, and, and have to, I don't know, I'd be in trouble, big trouble, spend some money. It'd be like if I went to, there's certain places, like, I know I'm never going to go to the WFME Record Fair because, like, I'm like, why would I bring that on myself? <laughs> you know, like, or the Austin Record Fair. It's like, no, they're, they're, I, would, I would ruin my life if I went there. Bring financial ruin upon
0: my family. Oh, my
1: God. Like, unless I become a millionaire. If I became, like, a millionaire, I'd do it. Because then I I you know, just what else would I do? But but otherwise, oh god, I'm never gonna go. Ever. Word.
0: Well any anyway, uh, we should we should jump into our guests uh this uh this evening, this week, this edition yes. of the podcast. Uh we got a big one this week. He's not a music person. It's our first not I mean, I guess my friend Jason's not a music person. He was kind of an accidental guest. Shout out to Jason. Yes. Um, but uh, but we have Cole Caban on the show this week, um, a person who we both know, a uh, a legend in the world of independent wrestling. Somebody who, if uh, circumstances were different, would probably like be in NXT right now and get like a huge like ovation when he first came out. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say like he's
1: probably the most popular independent wrestler, like one of the most well known independent wrestlers out there.
0: Yeah. I I think you know, that's, like,
1: that's it. Um, and also a hero of mine. Like there's like no other way to put like, you know, his podcast is what inspired me to do a podcast, and you know, I think he's uh I I think he's the the best in the game as far as podcasts go.
0: Yeah, somebody who's had like a I should say like pretty big impact on both of our lives, even though neither one of us knows him that well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, let's just get into it. Uh, uh, we'll be right back with Colt Cabana. Uh, Hey everybody. Welcome back to clobbering time. We got a, a big guest on this week. Um, guy I've known for a while, uh, uh, Tremendously important person to the professional wrestling landscape is Colt Cabana. Welcome to the show, Colt.
2: Hello. Thank you for having me. Great to talk to both of you guys once again on a different style of platform. Well, indeed.
1: And also, okay. I was saying to Tom, like, Colt, I've talked to you a couple times, but I got to be honest, I'm legit nervous because to me, you're like my Beatles, and Tom Sharpling is my Rolling Stones when it comes to this whole podcast world. Ooh. Yeah, uh, and then insert insert another joke by me, which I can't think of <laughs> right now. <but> <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, uh, I interviewed Colt about five years ago for the uh, Chicago Reader, um, and when I was just like, I'd been out of wrestling for a while and getting back into it, and like, oh hey, this guy is in Chicago. I should write about him. I did not know how big your show was going to turn out to be. I certainly didn't know you'd be doing it five years later, but. um <laughs> One thing that I remember you said to me is that part of the reason you were starting your own podcast was because you kept going on all these like sloppy-ass wrestling fan podcasts, people <laughs> with no credibility, who were just uh, slapping their shit together and didn't know what they were doing. And uh, by that token, uh, welcome to our show. <laughs> I, know, uh, I was, I was going to say, I, I think somebody's like chopping meat back there. <laughs> yeah, that's my son. He's in the background playing with some toys. That's, <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing this while on uh parent duty and also while <laughs> playing hokey from work so it's uh, uh it's really really you're 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 in the hands of true professionals right now wonderful
2: well i'm uh sitting in my underwear and i've just woken up so uh i can match your charisma I all right awesome that's uh that's great so yeah. uh and, and well, well, before you go on and yeah like i think it was important that tom you know you did write that article and it was like one of the coolest things i just i still there's a place uh, in my heart for you um because i don't know just as a chicago kid that was always roaming the streets then to like go and just see my face on the front of like every chicago reader like uh bin or whatever they are where you can get them i mean like in the day of digital copies now it was just like i was a hard copy and i was like just plastered across the whole city And, um, and that article is just so nice and so well done. It was just, um, it was really cool. And I think, uh, and you guys could talk about this a little bit if you guys want to, I think if that article had happened 20 years ago, I would have become like a millionaire from it. But, (laughs) but now like literally four days later, everyone just forgot that it happened.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's what happens with the internet, but it's, um, I mean, it was a, it was an honor to write. It was a real blast, and I, you know, I, I it was my only time ever writing for the reader, and uh, I uh, thank you for letting me into your world to do that. And Colt, every time I've like written a big thing about wrestling, Colt has been inspirational or instrumental, I should say, in it. Uh, when I interviewed CM Punk for GQ, I didn't go through WWE to set that up, and if I had, I think it would have gone badly. Uh, I went through Colt, and it went great. Uh, when I interviewed New Jack for Grantland last year, um, Colt set that all up. And there's no way in hell New Jack would have ever responded to any entreaty from me if it had not come from a, a man of, uh, of Colt's stature. And I know that because when I tried to do follow up questions for him with New Jack for the article, He was like, who is this? I don't recognize this number. And then (laughs) he never, never got back to me again. (laughs) Yeah. I'm
2: surprised he, even with my connection, he even talked to you, but I'm glad it worked out. (laughs) Going
0: into just like a restaurant to eat like snacks with that guy was one of the most harrowing experiences I've ever had in my life. Like I was just, sweat was just pouring off me. Like I was like, I really thought there was like maybe like a 4% chance he was going to stab me with a fork if I asked a question he didn't like.
2: Uh, I'd say odds were higher,
1: but that's <laughs> cute. That <boy> my, <laughs> well, I'm glad I didn't know that then. My friend worked on a project with him like, I don't know, six years ago and is still scarred from the experience. He, he, like physically, well, forehead. I, I think I think luckily just mentally, but I think he he wishes they were physical scars because they would heal faster than these ones are. Speaking
2: <laughs> of uh, physical scars, Damian, you killed it, bro.
1: Oh, with the with the doc, you killed it, oh. man.
2: That was well. I mean, maybe you didn't kill it by saying that that DJ Hyde was a WWE wrestler, but other than
1: that, <laughs> everything. He worked a dark match, isn't it? Isn't that the the story? You go find me the dark match that he and I'll, <laughs> and I'll a,
0: say okay. Cool. I definitely had like the little question mark appear over my head when that came up. So did yeah. I
1: when I read the VO that was written there and I said maybe we should double check this. And they're like, no, he said so. And I'm
0: like, no. <laughs> yeah. He
1: also said he wasn't going to hurt me with the steel chair. And that was not the case at all. Uh, but really? that, that is incredibly high praise from you because the Wrestling Row Diaries, I think for me, You know, especially when the first one came out, that was like, oh my gosh, this is like a whole new world.
2: Yeah, he likes it too. Tom likes it too. Uh, (laughs) Tom's (laughs) kid likes it.
1: (laughs) No, that was Tom. That's when Tom gets excited. He his voice Uh, changes. Yeah, that's that's the sound. Finn, Finn,
0: come on the other room, buddy. Go.
2: go Yeah. Well, well, my. I have like a, pl- you know, there's a place in my heart for like documentaries and especially like non WWE, like they do a great job, but the ones that WWE do are like never on the fringe, you know, it's, those are just like with the ones that we know. Mm-hmm. So anything weird on the fringe, just off to the left a little bit, those are always my favorite. And, um, obviously, uh, so, you know, the one that Vice did with Grado yeah. was like amazing. And dare I say British Re- and not just just grado icw those probably guys probably get pissed off that grado is the only one that gets credit, <laughs> but um and so yeah it was cool to see years later that vice uh do another one um with hardcore wrestling and it's it was it was great because sometimes i think to myself like oh like on my podcast i'm like uh man like maybe i should have some more of these guys on because i know like i i, I do believe it is a genre and it is like th- their own stuff and they should get love and like you did a great job of like almost like saying hey Colt look these guys draw a thousand people and are crazy and are dedicated to their craft you should have more of them on and I was like oh okay baby, and I will
1: well I, I that, that, that's amazing to hear that because like yeah like when you've had people from that world on just in the people you have on the podcast in general in the art of wrestling it's just like it, it, it's it's people that I have one relationship to as a consumer and as a fan of wrestling But then, like hearing them on your show, and that's like that's the thing that really sold me on podcasts as a medium was you the way you kind of get people to relax and just be themselves and reveal that they're like these incredibly complex human beings, not just these characters. And I think with the Deathmatch guys, that was the thing that really surprised me is is the CZW like locker room. the the range of personalities and the range of interests there. And, you know, like Ricky Shane Page wearing Bob's Burgers shirts to, like, Jeff Cannonball coming out to my favorite Poison Idea song. You know, and how many straight-edge vegan people or straight-edge people there were, period, back there was also shocking to me. Because God knows it would take something for me to get through that. A little, not sad, but, like,
2: you know, so like it was just interesting to me that Messiah was the most veteran of the veteran. And, like, I was a little sad that guys like Man, Man Pondo and mm-hmm. the Necro Butcher weren't able uh, to be on that show to to take that, like, real, like, hey, these guys are also veterans who have been doing it, like, 15 years or 20 years, and it would have been nice for them to be showcased. Right.
1: I wanted Necro Butcher. Obviously,
2: no fault of your own. No.
1: And I and a Necro Butcher, I, I think, like, there are some health things I might be, you know, maybe we'll edit this part out. But that was one of the first questions I asked, because like for me, like, you know, I'm not I'm not a diehard in the same way that other people are diehards about deathmatch wrestling. Like I love all wrestling. And so I also have a spot for deathmatch. But I think the thing for me is, you know, like there are these people that are like, yeah, legends like Necro Butcher on your show. That's where I learned like he wasn't just this terrifying dude that beat the shit out of Samoa Joe and then. Uh, you know, in Samojo versus Necro Butcher One, you know, like he was also a this sweetheart. Yeah, he's this guy that smoked weed at every stop on the way to his audition for the wrestler.
2: And I learned yeah, that from he's your a show. Sweetheart. <laughs> and he, he's uh I, I always feel kind of bad that like he he wasn't like almost smart enough to really take advantage of that. Like I just imagine mm-hmm. myself in the spot that he was mm-hmm. for the wrestler and how much I would have gotten off the back of that because I'm a smart Jewish businessman. As the Iron Sheik would say, and 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 he didn't, you know, and like that, it kind of bums me out a little bit because he just with the right couple steps, he could have probably made a whole new career, and he just didn't. And now he's retired, and he's not even doing it anymore.
1: Yeah, no, and and I think like it's only it's on your show that you really, I don't know, like you get to see that like for every, you know, like you know, well, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, or for every like you know. Bread the hitman hard, or even people that have had tragedies befall them. There's also these guys that that was the moment, and then they they didn't they weren't able to kind of hold on to it, and then they had the rest of their life to live. And I think you're right, Necro Butcher and the Wrestler. That was his moment. Where if he had been able to capitalize, he could have been, you know, like it found like a, a, a like a, a pop culture niche for himself. That was that was my cover on the
2: Chicago Reader by Tom.
1: <laughs> well, I remember reading that article, and I being a little you were in, no i don't think i was tom because i don't think you mentioned me and i thought i was going to get mentioned because i was the one who told you about the art of wrestling but hey i'm not no you're, probably... you're in there dude <laughs> am i it's
0: online man
1: okay i gotta maybe didn't make the print version
2: <laughs> I gotta... oh, maybe. <laughs> he's so he's so high now he doesn't even know
1: no i'm, I'm like on cloud <laughs> 15 of uh of cannabis and uh um, celebrity buzz at this point,
2: um, uh, that's, that's my favorite uh, online resource: Celebrity Buzz,
1: CelebrityBuzz.com.
2: <laughs> I go there
1: every day. Uh, but I guess, like you know, as you know, one of the first kind of independent documentarian wrestlers out there. Uh, what for the third one? What story did you feel need to be told this time that you didn't tell with the first two?
2: Well, I think the I mean the obvious one, and and I think the reason that it just sets itself apart is uh this idea of comedy wrestling so all of them you know all of them have an overlying theme of this is the life of an independent wrestler uh it's not glamorous it's just us no one recognizes us unless we're two minutes from the building or walking into the building and and um that happens in all of them but this is uh you know i had really been exploring in the last couple years just like how much i love comedy wrestling and um and just what it means to me, and how much it saved my body, and how how much I just love the idea for me doing a cool move isn't as uh rewarding as making somebody laugh via some kind of crazy shenanigans and um and I want to explore it more in that documentary form that we've kind of that i you know I've kind of set up, and so it just made a lot of sense the smartest guys to bring along were Kikutaro and Grado. um uh also kind of like. That's selling factor, but I thought it's just really cool to bring these guys over. And the idea of like these guys are from different countries, we all kind of speak different languages, even though Grado barely, you know, speaks English, he barely speaks English. Um,
0: <laughs> and you could, yeah, you definitely, and, like put subtitles on that DVD
2: for sure. And Jack Ettinger, who put it all together, was like, not gonna do it. And I was like, um, you 100% have to put subtitles on all of this. <laughs> um, <laughs> And I know. I'm like, Jack, I know it's going to be an extra 20 minutes of work, but just just do it. All right. <laughs>
1: did, and, you, did you subtitle yourself too, or no? Yeah, I should have. <laughs> no, I'm not saying you right, needed to, no. but I'm just saying for the sense of uh, camaraderie. For the gag? Yeah, I <laughs> should have, maybe. <laughs> um, and
2: then it was, it, and I always say, like, it was pretty expensive because I, you know, I flew both of these guys over from different parts of the country. But uh, because the other two were so successful, and I believe in it. And also, I have this great platform, this podcast, where I can kind of push it. Like, I wasn't worried about making the money back. And so, like, I'm very proud that, like, I don't do the Kickstarter and I don't, you know, do the Indiegogo and and try to, like, uh, you know, so many people have gotten bad names from doing bad, bad Kickstarters and stuff. So mm-hmm. I kind of, like, I just do it myself. And I kind of do put it out there that, like, hey, I didn't do a Kickstarter. I I, I have the money and I, I knew that you guys would support it final product it's pretty awesome if you want to buy it it's available called merch
1: well and that and and that's the thing also is like you're the you're someone who you know in any industry i think was like the first person to i don't know if this was by design or just by accident to realize that you know you could build your own platform to to kind of promote it sounds so shitty to say brand but to promote yourself you know and like the worst isn't it yeah, but, but brand it's, is the worst. It's the worst, but it kind of like, I don't know, like I guess yourself. It all, all yeah, yeah, it's like You can of, say your name. Yeah, your name. Get your name out there, but like you're the guy who like, you know, with this podcast now, it's, you know, like next to WWE, I think there's very few wrestling platforms that reach that many people on a weekly basis. Um, yeah, I mean, so there, I mean,
2: just doing the podcast, doing the podcast, there were so many different variables that went into starting it, obviously being influenced by comedy podcasts, obviously not wanting to do, you know, uh, podcasts with people that were disinterested and just fooling around in the back. Uh, and then another one was I had this movie coming out and I did like I did realize and as as uh as. much. There was a guy in developmental who was like, this is your commercial every week. He was a, he was a coach. I don't want to say his name because I don't really like him. But he would say something smart. He would be like, this is your commercial. Every single week you're on Raw or developmental television. This is your commercial. You need to promote yourself. And I realized that they had this platform, this wrestling show. And I realized that on WWE, the reason why everybody knows these guys is because they're, they're, there's a platform for them to perform every single week on USA Network. And when these guys left and they were on the independents, like when they were first off, fresh off the independents, they were hot because people remembered them. But I saw and I've seen this my whole career is guys two, three, four, five years in in their independent run. They're no longer like no one gives a shit because they're not like no, they're not in anybody's mind anymore. Mm -hmm. And so it was something that like really really, I was like, I need my own commercial. And that was one of the big uh, another big fan. And starting the podcast was—I knew I was coming out with this Wrestling Road Diaries. I knew I didn't want to do everybody else's podcast. I was like, "Why don't I just have my own?" So then I don't have to go do everyone else's. I can just kind of, you know, I'll have my core audience, and this is the way I can I can pump it.
0: So I never realized that like Wrestling Road Diaries was at first in part like to help, or, or that the art of wrestling was there to help promote the first Wrestling Road Diaries. Um, is it so? Do you kind of consider the the podcasts and the movies to be like intertwined?
2: Um, yeah, because we filmed in two thousand nine and we came, and it came out in two thousand eleven. Um, I, I just like I I think like you know my backbone or like my big my babies are both of them. Yeah, and it's weird because I've done so much more work on the art of wrestling because every week I've edited and. and over 300 times somebody has sat down with me in a locker room in a different place in the world. And these movies were just, we filmed it for a week and then, you know, Jack Edinger kind of put it all together. But like together, I both feel they're like the cornerstone of like, Oh, you know, like as cheesy as this sounds like almost my legacy or something like that.
0: Mm-hmm. That doesn't sound cheesy at all. I, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I think that sounds awesome. Like you've left a hell of a legacy. Like And, uh, and I don't know if very many people in wrestling have, mm-hmm. Like, you know, inside or outside the big leagues have left the kind of impact you have, not to, like, just continually blow smoke up your ass. <laughs> I, but, uh,
2: I appreciate it. But, like, I, it's like I'm 36. I don't plan on, you know, in my head, I've got 20 more years of wrestling. So, like, I don't want to start building something, you know, like, I hope, like, my best years are almost, uh, you know, in the future, not in the past.
1: Yeah, it's funny because, like, you know, you it's almost like you created a new type of wrestling fan with the podcast. Like it was something that was like different than than the, you know, uh quote unquote smart mark or the internet fan that existed prior to that because it was like you gave fans an insight where there's like a sort of a different sensitivity. You know, like as a fan you know that you don't really use wrestling terms to wrestlers. You know, you avoid that as much as possible. And like I wouldn't know that if yeah, I didn't. I'm
0: really glad I learned that like especially doing these interviews and stuff yeah. like if you talk like a wrestler, you sound like a total fucking idiot if you're not actually yeah. a wrestler.
1: Yeah, but like you. And I,
0: glad, I, I, sorry. Go on. No,
2: I was just saying, I'm glad that, that's been. I'm glad that's got through. That's nice to hear.
1: Yeah, well, that's because that, like, but I don't think, you know, and prior to that, you know, being someone that read. I wasn't really that active of a wrestling fan on, online, but like reading what people would write online. You know, it, it was clear that fans didn't know that and thought that, that was a good way to impress wrestlers was by, you know, oh, I'm going to speak just like them. Um, oh, the complete opposite. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.
2: Is that did you learn that from like uh, the Regal one, or I, I don't think is was, that where it really hit
1: home. I think that maybe it was Regal where it really hit home, but I think early on, like I remember at first I listened from the very first episode because I heard you on live audio wrestling. You went on with John Pollock, I think, to promote it before the first one went up. I think. Right. Oh. And I, and I downloaded it right then. And so it was kind of like right from the get go. And it was, I think of the regal one is obviously where it was like made point of, but I just like, just like when it would be like, it would just come up in other conversations prior to that too. Um, but I guess that brings up a good point. Like everyone has, I guess, who does a podcast, their low key favorite episode or, or their favorite episode.
0: New Jack. The new Jack, one. Um, <laughs> I mean, the reason I wanted to write that article is the new Jack episode. Yeah, the New Jack so, one is
1: incredible. Yeah. <laughs> but, but what's your favorite? What's your, like, what's your favorite one? Um, okay, I, I want to touch on something before I say that, because you you said, like, that I helped
2: bring, like, a, a new audience or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, or showed a, showed a new side of wrestling. And I just think it's important. Like, it just triggered the thought in my head is, like, I love alternative comedy. I I like it so much more than kind of mainstream comedy. And again, everything I do is based off of like kind of what I like. Mm -hmm. And like, I realized that like we had this alternative scene, but it wasn't really being celebrated as much as like the alternative comedy scene was. And of course like Marin known for one of the first like kind of alt guys, but in my head, like, you know, just all the guys that like, I was big in like comedy death ray at the time. And and, you know, they had a, a, a stand-up show and just all these alt guys that weren't getting a lot of love. And it just reminded me of the independent wrestling scene. So like my goal was to like make the independent wrestling scene cool, just like the alternative comedy scene. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's kind of what I went for. And hopefully that that, that kind of, that's what the, the initial goal was. And you look now and I'm not saying I'm responsible for it, but you know, it's so cool now that WWE, you know, decided to make their own hot topic version of it. Yeah. Um, (laughs)
1: <laughs> network. Well, I think that's the thing is you are responsible for it. Like I, I you can't say it, but I guess I can because uh, you know it's like amazing how many kids that I see. And there, this brings up another parallel. And I know I'm cutting you off from completing my question, but between like the the punk independent music scene, uh, hardcore whatever, and wrestling, like the the parallels between the two worlds, and sort of like the I don't know, just the way they're they're cooler than the mainstream. In both
2: yeah, ways. and I so, like, I see
1: it. Oh, go ahead.
2: Oh, I was just gonna say I because I, I don't I don't know that punk scene as obviously as much as you both you guys know, but I do know the comedy scene, and mm-hmm. so it's like there's also that parallel from from comedy and, and punk, and, it, know, and like it all how ties up. Would be the guy. Yeah, yeah, well, and
1: also, but like like it's uh, I've done a bunch of podcasts now with like comedians, but it's like David Cross. And Tom Sharpling and, all the, and, and, and John Worcester and all these people are like, yeah, there was like Mark Marin did these nights in New York and first in Boston and then in New York. And that's kind of where those, those scenes and a lot of those early people in that world kind of developed and found their things. And it was, you know, these people that both come from punk are like, it's very similar to like CBGBs and kind of like that idea of everything kind of starting out at these like little tiny venues and just exploding from there.
0: Well, plus that whole, like, everybody get in the van thing, like I mean, that's like Damien's life, pretty much. And I that's what the Wrestling Road Diaries movies mm-hmm. are about. A hundred percent, yeah. Yeah, they're like rock like,
1: and roll tour, tour movies as much as they are wrestling movies.
2: And the first, yeah, the I mean, the Wrestling Road Diaries, I, I told Tom years ago, you know, it was based off of the Comedians of Comedy, yep. which was those guys get in the van. And I, it wasn't David Cross, but then David Cross had a... He had a tour documentary too, which was pretty influential yeah, too, which to make, I really really liked.
1: Was it "Let America Laugh Again"? Or yeah, I think it was. But the you know the comedians of comedy tour, it's like H. John Benjamin, Patton Oswalt, uh, Henry Owings, who was the tour manager on that tour. Those guys were all best showed people and and punk rock people too. Like uh, you know, and they're and playing
0: like way. rock venues, right? Yeah. Like they're probably playing the same venues as you do, mm-hmm. right? That, yeah,
2: and th- those are, like, now that Marty and I kind of do our comedy show around, like, like recently somebody's been trying to book it, we're trying to do something in, like, Stockton and San Francisco, and he's like, what about the comedy club, what about the Chuckle Hut, and I'm like, no, I don't want a two-drink minimum, Yeah, like, that's not yeah. where I want to go, I was like, go find the shittiest club where the bands and the, and the comedians play, and that's where we want to do it, mm-hmm. um, I, and I, I it's like, and I... I'd probably want to go to that show, but, you know, 15 years ago, 10 years ago, I couldn't afford it. I could have afforded a $10 ticket, and at me as a performer, I can afford to give somebody a $10 ticket.
1: Well, and also it's just like it, uh, that, that two-drink minimum thing, it's like for a different generation. There's like, you know, straight-edge kids now. There's people like myself that only smoke weed, and like, or there's people that just don't want to drink at a bar. And so it makes more sense to kind of have that as an option as opposed to an enforced rule. And the energy's doing yeah. people are standing up, I imagine, too, performing.
2: Well, I mean, it doesn't even have to be standing up. But, like, just in my head, like, those plays try to gouge you with, like, $25 chicken wings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's, like, you want you wanted to go out and you wanted to spend $10 or $15. And then you end up spending, like, $45. I remember taking a girl on a date, man. I was, like, 22, 23. And I was just so broke. And then, like, we went to Zany's. And, like, because, like, we like, there was nothing for us to do. And, like, Zany's was close. And I was, like, all right, like. You know, I'd like to impress this girl, I guess. So it's like either, hey, sit on my couch and watch TV. And she wasn't impressed or or let's go, you know, I'll take you out. And I just remember like being four, like there was nobody in Zany's. It was literally like people forced to then buy like four items. Like it turned into like an $80 date,
1: which I didn't have at the time. Yeah.
2: And I, and I didn't get laid off of it either.
1: So. Well, I I think that's the thing is like, it's, you know, like these, these worlds and like the fan bases are so interconnected. Like that, that. At the TOD, at CZW's Tournament of Death, the amount of punk and hardcore shirts I saw in the crowd, and I don't mean this to disrespect to your friends at all when I say this, Colt, but probably outnumbered the number of Juggalo and Insane Clown Posse-type related shirts I saw in the crowd. Did you keep a tally? I was, in my head, I was trying to, but there was just too many numbers going around. I was also trying to keep (laughs) count of
0: the light bulb tubes and everything else, so... (laughs) Um, <laughs> but I like last year I wrote a thing about, uh, John Darneal from the mountain goats because he'd just written this album about wrestling. And I, uh, I took him to a Chikara show in North Carolina and that was his first wrestling show in a long time.
2: Oh, and, I saw those pictures.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, well, there's a whole article that I wrote, but it, uh, it like, like I, there was at least three or four wrestlers on that show who were big fans of his, mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just cool. It's it's cool to see, like, like Colt this podcast, you're the first, like, wrestler we've had on. I don't know how many we're going to have, but, like, we mostly just have music people on talking about wrestling. Oh, okay. Um, there's a lot of them. There's, like, yeah. it's, like, this whole, like, little kind of secret wing where I don't know how many of them like talking about it, but a lot of them are, are super into it.
1: Well, it's, like, you brought up Stockton, California, and, like, the, the most famous band ever from Stockton is Pavement. And Pavement comes on uh, from Matador Records, a label that I was on. And one of the first guests we had on the show, I think the first guest we had on the show, right, yeah. Tom? Uh, yeah. Was Gerard Cosloy, the guy that started Matador Records. And he went to WrestleMania 1, but he also went to, like, a progress wrestling show, like, two weeks ago. And he also went to, like, an indie show in Austin, like, last week. Like, he goes to wrestling all the time. Like, it's, it's a big part of his life. Uh, Is that Tito, Tito Santana? Yeah, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, so why the, the Matador, Matador Records, different oh, Matador, different. unfortunately. But uh, no, this is the Matador Records that did license uh, some John Spencer Blues Explosion music to yeah. ECW. Oh, nice. I mean,
2: I've. You know my, my music knowledge is very limited, but I have heard of Matador.
1: Yeah, well, that's why I, was, I, I knew I figured you had Cole. I think you sell yourself short yeah. on that music stuff a little time. A well, little
0: you have a there. you have a song on every week. Yeah. Um, for on, I'm sure everybody who's listening to this listens to Cole's podcast. But if you don't, every week before the interview, he does a song of the week, and I uh, I um, do you have a favorite one that you've done on there? Um, I um I think like one that
2: always just will pop up in my head out of left field and like, like, right. Like I don't have like an in-depth knowledge of music, but uh, there's music. Like when I hear it, I go, Oh, I, I like that, you know? And that's kind of how that works with these songs is I'll just be searching or someone will send me something. And I just know it just hits me. It was like, Oh, this is something I really like. And one that always sticks out is, uh, art brutes, unprofessional wrestling.
1: Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And
2: it's just like, you could tell like it's so well produced. You could tell those guys, you know, like I didn't know who Art Brood is, and I probably still kind of don't. But you could tell, like you knew they knew what they were doing. They were really good at what they did. They seemed very confident. He seemed, they seemed like really awesome. I and mean, they do sound like an awesome band.
1: I like. I was trying the one band that I've always wanted to suggest to you, and I always have this in a text or an email to send you, and just never do it because I'm like, oh, well, this is probably no. really annoying for him. Uh, T- no, T. Crug Cabo, suck it.
2: Oh, I've never heard that.
1: They were—they're the greatest punk band ever from Toronto. But they did a song "Suck It." Uh, <coughs> they did two songs, "Suck It." One is about wrestling, and uh, it is is pretty hilarious. The lyrics, and also, I don't think you've had uh, Gordon Solie motherfuckers ever, right?
0: Oh,
2: well, I have—I had have the Gordon Solies on. Hold on, I'll tell you who I had. And I always tell everybody, uh, I, I'm always desperate for songs because I okay. always feel like. As much as I feel like I'm going to run out of guests, I feel like I'm going to run out of songs. Gordon, how do you spell Gordon?
1: Oh, Gordon Solley, motherfuckers. Uh, Gordon Solley. Well, no, I guess I've that. never had. Okay, hey. they have a song about killing Eric Bischoff. That is <laughs> hilarious. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait till Eric Bischoff is on the show
2: because I'm going to have him on and I'm going to play that song before he's on. <laughs>
1: That's amazing. Uh, uh, Tony Urba will be very excited. The singer of that band, who uh, is a, a, all, another punk wrestling fan, that needs mention.
0: That's I'm awesome. Say my uh, my favorite sh- uh, song that it's not even a punk song. That Damien's had on song of the week is one time he put on Taka Michinoku's like Japanese <laughs> entrance music. Yeah, exactly the same as his WWF entrance music, which like I used to like. If you ever played the uh, light heavyweight, like, career mode on WWF No Mercy, which is the best wrestling game ever, like, that you just hear it over and over again, but this, it's just him. It's that music with him talking over it and cussing. And (laughs) Oh, fuck you, motherfucker. (laughs) He's like, oh, you think you could beat me? I'll kick your fucking ass. It's like, um, uh, the fact that this exists is, like, I... I think I rewound it like ten times. I I couldn't I couldn't handle it. It was and too- you
2: know that's just him. Like he was in America for so long, and then he went back to Japan, and he's like, "Oh, they have no clue what any of this is. I can get away with anything."
1: <laughs> it was ama- when I went to uh, see a, a new Japan show like three years ago. Uh, I met him in the lobby and got a picture signed. And when uh, MVP came over a couple weeks ago uh, to do rec- a podcast with me, he saw the picture and he's like, oh, amazing. Like, and I've got, I got a room full of a lot of crap, but out of all the things he picked out, it's that signed Taka photo. I
2: I was on tour with him for Noah because he's been in Noah for the last couple of years. Right. And like, it's kind of crazy because like, no one like in japan he's just another wrestler mm-hmm. but there's like a like every time even on the bus rides when he came and he sat down like even more so than uh you know like a guy like ogawa who's like a legend but i would be like oh my god taco majinoku is sitting
0: in front of me on the bus because <laughs> <Like, laughs> it's I taka. Love taka man that guy was like there's this once t- he like wrestled triple h for the title one time because triple h was a fighting champion and he was just gonna wrestle everybody and they like It was a whole thing, like, they hired the acolytes, and then, like, there was all this crazy interference, and they had, like, Funaki throwing big dropkicks at Triple H and stuff, and there was about five seconds where I was like, Taka Michinoku's gonna be the champion. Like, I, like, fully believed it. Like, it was, like, that's one of my favorite random wrestling matches ever.
2: That's what's great about wrestling, that, like, that feeling right
0: there. It
2: yeah. really is. Well, what oh, so hold on, Damien. Yeah. I got pe- people with O C D will go crazy. Uh one of my favorite <laughs> uh episodes. That's what I was
1: just gonna get to, Colt. You cut <laughs> okay. me off before my amazing segue <laughs> back saying that before Tom and I go, we have to get you to say what your favorite episode is. Um
2: so there's so and it would have been talking about you I was like thinking like, Man, should I have him on? And I also I I was touring with Super Crazy and like his English is like so so and like one of the first like real feedbacks I got was when I had Kikutaro on the podcast and a lot of people were like uh, that one was a little rough to listen to cuz his English wasn't so good. Um so uh, listen there's so many ones that are so that are so great for so many reasons and just like the one the first one that just kind of popped to my head that's um that's like an under an, or a one that's maybe not like um championed as much as a lot of the others is Reckless Youth. Um yeah. because you know in my head you know like for you, like if I was the pod, the pod father of independent whatever, Reckless Youth was like the first guy who I was, oh, this guy's a star. He's not in WWF, but he I, I see him on the same level. He's in my PWI magazines and he's a star and he doesn't need like a corporate machine. He was like the first real like independent wrestling star in my head. And that was thanks to, you know, Bill Aptor and Brandy Makowitz and those mag magazines. But um they did a great job. And so for me it was it was at a point, like, we did the podcast during a Chikara show, uh, National Wrestling Day, where I was given, like, a plaque for being, like, ambassador of independent wrestling. <laughs> and I it was such, so that was, like, a cool feeling, getting that plaque and knowing I was sitting down talking with this guy, who essentially was, like, my, you know, godfather of independent wrestling, and he's always been super cool and super nice, and he's got, like, you know, it's just a great story of, like, a guy you know, being this independent wrestler nowadays, where, like, everybody knows, like, Oh, you're a hot independent wrestler. NXT will pick you up, or you know, it's just like that wasn't like the case in that scenario, and he never got like a full giant run, and um, like it was almost like proud for me to be able to like share and spread that story for the ones who didn't know about Reckless Youth.
1: He's like the black flag of independent wrestling, I think, to bring it to the uh, the punk realm again. Yeah, like uh, that one's amazing. I thought the uh, Kevin Steen, Kevin Owens one. Uh, was incredible, like you know, uh, where you guys were just like talking about, it. and he's like basically like I'm never going to wind up there, you know, like, uh, like yeah, that
0: was great. Like the second time he was on when you got like you'd been finished with the here's how I got into wrestling like origin story conversation, and you were just like talking shop pretty much. That was great. Yeah, right.
2: yeah, that was lo- that was 150. That's still up on my feed. And yeah, we were in Australia, so we did a- we did a lot of zoo talk. But then we also did yes. like – he was at a point, the zoo enthusiast. Was, yeah, uh, which I don't know if I get enough credit about. I'm pretty sure I'm like – I put that out in the world. That's uh, your
1: Damien Abraham Chicago Reader moment, Colt. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: Sorry. Yeah, and then we, we do get into – yeah, like he just was – I remember he was working at a box factory. He didn't have a lot of money. He wasn't taking a lot of bookings because of his relation. So like, he was. He, it didn't seem like he was that passionate about wrestling anymore. Like because he, like there was a time where him and Generica would just take every booking, and he kind of scaled off for a little bit. And so it was like you could see and like the not that I ever thought he would make it to WWE, but I was like, come on, man! Like you're my friend. I want to still hang around, be in this business with me. Like you'll be fine. And then just like to show you know how just what a what a what a switch that got flipped, and also it says, like, there's something about sympathy, I think, and that tells a great story that people get behind you, I think mine was just being, you know, scrubbed out by the WWE, and then he had a great one where, like, you know, Cornette was just basically like, no, you suck, you're not good enough, and then, like, that was his story, and people got behind that, especially when he started coming back to Ring of Honor, and, like, there's a little credit for, like, Cornette, like, being like, alright, let's put him back in, and but at you know the underlying thing was like Cornet always never wanted him there um, and so like i think that was like when fans really 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 got behind him because he started getting really passionate and really into like what he was doing and i think that's where it that all started to kind of blow up for him and then you know he you know he started getting on the radar of these guys and next thing you know like look at him it's unbelievable he's rich it's crazy
0: i think there's a little bit of that conversation between you guys that's like in the back of my head every time i see him on tv now it's a, it's a good feeling yeah yeah uh, we a, we should uh call it on this one because i gotta run but uh colt thank you so much for coming on the show we really appreciate it um uh follow him at colt cabana uh on twitter he's uh the wrestling Grow diaries three is out now at Coltmerch.com he ships you all the copies himself uh art of wrestling is up on itunes every thursday uh, anything else you feel like <laughs> plugging
2: my instagram is at quote cabana uh i'm doing a live comedy show the night before thanksgiving in chicago with marty Derosa. i'm coming up to hamilton ontario is that close to you damian
1: that's very close it's about an hour and a half from here
2: that's not that close
1: 45 minutes, 45 minutes without traffic
2: uh uh yeah for alpha one that's after thanksgiving i'm always touring um and yeah just uh that if you want to buy that it's on digital and dvd if you buy the dvd i have some signed ones left and i can out to everybody if they want to buy it it's such a fun movie it's such a fun movie like i think that's the important part it's so fun you guys will love it you should watch it
1: and uh yeah i gotta say cold is the inspiration behind this whole turned out a punk thing so if you haven't for some ungodly reason not checked it as podcast you owe it yourself to do it um and, and, and sharing the love that is Colt Cabana. So, uh, anyway, thanks, Colt.
0: All right, we want to thank Colt Cabana for being on the show this week. It's a real, real pleasure to have him on, real fun conversation. Um, and that's, uh, that's going to be it for us this week. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I am at Tom Bryan. You can read the things that I have written on Stereo.com Or I have a Japanese wrestlers in NXT. I have a, a column about action movies on the AV club. Uh, you can read my shit in all of those places.
1: Awesome. And, uh, yeah, I guess, uh, check out Bloodlust Tournament of Death if you haven't yet. I've got an article about it up on uh, vice.com about things that I learned uh, when I was there, things that surprised me while I was there. Uh, I also have a history of deathmatch wrestling article that's going to be coming up pretty soon as well uh, and a brief history of deathmatch wrestling it could be a book, definitely should be a book Tom, you know writer, you know, it could be a book uh, and uh, and also check out Cole Cabana's interview with Edge uh, I just finished it today and it is an amazing interview, those guys are having a lot of fun and and I and man is Edge, Edge just seems like a super cool guy and my, you know, one one time that I hung out with him, he was, for an interview and yeah, he was super nice, but this interview, he's he's amazing
0: I interviewed him once too he was really, really cool, I haven't listened to that episode yet oh, that's great, it's like the two of them are just having so much fun
1: um and that's the thing about Colt, you know, like he kinda gets people to kind of like let their guard down in a really natural way. Like he's not prodding, like it's just like people are just open and talking to him. Yeah, that's true. He's really good at what he does. Mm-hmm. Mm hmm. Um so I know I've teased this before and it's been disastrous, but I think next week we're gonna have a big guest. <laughs>
0: fingers crossed. Let's hope.
1: Well, I've got like three big guests lined up, so uh, one of them's got to come through, right? How we
0: make a fucking show next week? How about that? Let's start there.
1: Okay, well, let's say two weeks because I think next week it might <laughs> be a little ambitious. But two weeks. There will definitely be a show in two weeks.
0: All right. Thanks for listening, everybody.